Like Gilmore Girls' Luke's Diner, Friends' Central Perk, or Cheers' Cheers, today's cozy family comedy, Higher Grounds, is set in an eponymous coffee shop and features four generations of precocious ladies. So stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. We'll read here on the Popcorn Talk Network. If this is your first time tuning in, you don't know that this is a show where we read Hollywood's hottest unproduced pilots and features. Today I'm featuring the lovely Taylor Gates and Rachel Moore. I'm so excited to have you guys. Thanks for being here. Having us. Um, We are so excited because they wrote a very warm... Um, but very well-written family comedy called Higher Grounds that I really like, and we're going to get into it in a minute. Before we do that, guys, my name is Jeff Graham. If you want to find me online, you can do so Jeffrey C. Graham. I know I'm sitting here on my little island, but I have a <laughs> cast of wonderful actors sitting across from me, and I'd love for you guys to introduce yourselves, starting with Mr. Timothy Rodriguez. Yes, what's up, everybody? I am Timothy Michael. You can find me everywhere at I am Timothy Mike, and today I will be reading um, Pablo and Greg. What's eponymous? Oh, it's like um, <laughs> when the title is shared. So, like... Um, let me think of it like Harry Potter is the eponymous character of Harry Potter. Oh. Mm-hmm. Did you guys yeah. all know that? No, I did not. Okay. I just cool. go and Google stuff after the yeah. fact. Yeah. yeah, I was like, am I willing to make myself look like a jerk on the show? Yes, I am. Uh, which means that I'm Roxy Stryer. You guys can find me everywhere at Roxy Stryer, and I'll be reading for Celeste and Automized Female British Boys. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Alexandra Miles. You can find me at alexandra.smiles, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I'm going to be uh, reading Nadine today. Hey guys, I'm Adrian Snow. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Adrian Snow, and I'll be reading Nora. Hey, I'm Haley O'Connor, and today I am reading June, Hostess, and Toddler. Taylor and Rachel, introduce yourselves, and I want to talk about the script a little bit. All right. I am Taylor Gates. You can find me on Twitter at alphabet underscore Anne and on Instagram at Taylor underscore Gates underscore. And I'm Rachel Moore, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and everywhere else at Dapperly Rachel. So I love the script you guys wrote. This is an important lesson for those listening that being friends with people can open doors, but nepotism is not a real thing because it is true that I worked with Taylor for a while, and <laughs> I almost feel like, in the least condescending way, kind of like a proud uncle or something. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Because um, Taylor interned with us, and you helped me kind of. Um, covered some of the scripts that we have on this yeah. show and you always give me great coverage and I knew that you were a writer so I was so excited about the opportunity of potentially bringing you on the show and I was so glad when you sent me the script and it was good <laughs> thank you so because much because I would have been very bummed if it was not <laughs> I would have been too <laughs> and it's important for me to note that just because I knew you before that's not the reason in any way that I picked the script it's just a good example of in Hollywood knowing people is good but you have to do the work and be talented to you know make something happen so, so I love the script I would love to hear a little bit about your two's partnership and then also just a brief kind of one minute intro into the world we're entering before we get into it sure um, we were approached by a professor who recommended us to enter into a contest, Mm -hmm. but she approached us separately, and then we were like, oh, wait, we should, we are better as a team Mm -hmm. than we ever were apart. And so it was important to us to write a script about strong, independent women, and that's kind of where we start. We've got four generations of women who have all had children really early, and they are kind of embarking on their lives together now. Cool. Very well said. Um, Great. Well, with that, I say we go ahead and get right into it, guys. Oh, and FYI, I'm also doing some acting today. I'm reading for um, Pothead, Doctor, and Server, Mm -hmm. but most importantly, I'm reading for Mac, so 
Um, yeah, can you guys hear me, by the way? Yeah, uh, when you do that. that. You, you're okay, not cool. as loud as the AC is, but you're pretty loud. <laughs> Great. So. I, um, I have it right on my lips as much as it can go, so I don't know what else. But I think, I think we're good now. I can hear myself. So uh, with that, I say we go ahead and get into it. Guys, this is Higher Grounds, written by Taylor Gates and Rachel Moore. Interior, Frost Living Room Morning. June Frost, newly 16, eccentric, sits with her feet up on a sofa. Her best friend and coworker, Paolo Gugino, also 16, artsy as hell, watches over her shoulder as she reads a birthday card. Happy 16th, bitch. Try not to get knocked up this year. Wow. Bold. Thanks for that. You can read the last part. Love, Pablo. You're welcome. <laughs> June grabs another envelope from the coffee table. This one's covered with old lady flowers. She skims it, immediately rolling her eyes. Oh, God. What's it say? Pablo snatches it from her hands. June, may the gifts of faith, modesty, and bountiful wisdom be bestowed upon you, accompanying the blessing of another year. <laughs> Man, great drama, Nadine. Sounds intense. It's just a fancy way of saying don't screw up like the three generations before you. So what I said with less cursing. Essentially. <laughs> June opens the last card. JJ, with each passing year, you grow into a more beautiful and lovely young woman. May your 16th bring you endless laughter and joy. Love, Mom. <laughs> That's actually pretty sweet. June tosses it on the coffee table. Yeah, if she would have actually written it. Pablo tilts his head like a confused dog. Celeste has been writing these for the past six years. She plays dumb when I ask, but it's her handwriting. Pablo, cover her eyes. Speak of the devil. Pablo complies. Celeste Frost, 48, June's grandmother, runs in, sticking her face through a cutout in a large homemade card. Sweet, but manic. Happy birthday. (laughs) Pablo uncovers June's eyes. June, in turn, stares blankly at Celeste. Well, this one's just (laughs) terrifying. Celeste's face falls. She playfully slaps June with a paper. Keep it up, and I'll cancel your dinner reservation and make you eat my cooking instead. And you still need to call your great-grandma and invite her to the sushi place tonight. (sighs) Must I? You must. Last birthday, she told the servers I was officially a woman now. Hey, it got you a free brownie, didn't it? Worth it. Yeah, but the lady at the table over also slipped me a tampon and her gyno's business card. Mm, details, details. Celeste chucks two aprons at them before disappearing down the stairs. Be downstairs in two. Time to open. June picks the aprons up and, heads one, and hands one to Paulo. They tug them over their heads and tie the backs. Will Nadine ever eat raw fish? Seems a little out of her comfort zone. The woman is a mystery. Interior, Higher Grounds Coffee Shop Day. A cutesy Colorado coffee shop at noon. It's packed. June stands behind the counter, finishing a latte. Grande soy hazelnut latte? No one claims it. Uh, Hazelnut latte made with soy milk. Pablo steps beside June. God, Susan, come get your gross-ass drink. A middle-aged woman in workout clothes snatches the to-go cup from June. She gives Pablo a dirty look. Thanks, ma'am. Have a good one. Once she's out of earshot, June whips around and smacks Pablo with the rag. Play nice. Pablo lifts his hands in surrender. He plucks the rag from June's hands and goes to wipe down tables. The bell on the door chimes, and an obvious pothead pokes his head in, scanning the building. Pablo whistles from the lobby to get June's attention. She sizes him up. Uh, down the block. Huh? Uh, the dispensary? It's down the block. Pothead nods slowly. Yeah, but, but this... Is higher grounds like coffee grounds. We sell scones? Oh, sweet. Later. The door chimes behind as it shuts behind him. The door <laughs> chimes again as it shuts behind him. Celeste squeezes in behind June, carrying a couple of boxes. Who is that? Uh, some guy looking for weed. Celeste huffs, slamming some napkins on the counter. <laughs> you guys need to edit your sign. Pablo spreads his hands as if to envision this. Higher grounds, but not like the marijuana kind. Not a church either. Or a 
trampoline park. <laughs> Celeste sets her boxes <laughs> at the end of the counter, and Max Simon, 18, iron shirt under his apron, hurries through the front door. He slides behind the counter. Oh, hey, Graham. You're late, Max, and don't call me that. Yes, boss. Celeste kisses June's cheek as she passes. I'll be in the back doing payroll if you need anything. Put those up for me. You got it. Not you. Celeste hands to the back. Celeste heads to the back. June laughs, patting Max's arm. She hoists up the boxes. Oh, grab the door. Max swings the storage closet door open, and June shuffles in. She starts unloading boxes until wait. Max heroically shoves his foot between the door and the entryway, keeping it from closing. Thanks. Uh, this thing locks from the outside, and I kind of freak out in small spaces. You guys afraid the chamomile is going to make a run for it? Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> it's the espresso you have to worry about. A large, fancy espresso machine lights up in the corner. Place cup under coffee spigot. Oh, not now, Edna. <laughs> Edna? Our espresso machine. Your espresso machine needs GPS. It's a very high-tech tool designed to aid in efficiency, and we don't know how to shut it up. She hands him a bottle of vanilla syrup. Hold this. We're almost out up front. So, any big birthday plans for tonight? I'm going to eat six pounds of sushi, and then Pablo and I will probably watch reruns of America's Next Top Model like we always do. No invite. I'm offended. June finishes stocking shelves, and they head back up front. Deeply. (laughs) Didn't think you'd really want to spend your Saturday night off with my grandma. Are you kidding? Grandma loves me. Yeah? I'm practically drowning in knitted sweaters and baked goods. In case you haven't noticed, Celeste isn't exactly the crocheting and cookies type. Max's face drops. For some reason, this bothers June. He looks so disappointed and, dare she say, kind of cute. But maybe we could hang out after. I'll text you. Max flashes her a 1,000-watt smile before taking his place behind the register. She tries to play it cool until he leaves, but her grin quickly betrays her. Interior, Higher Grounds Coffee Shop. Later, June is crouched behind the counter, wiping down the shelves. The door chimes and June pops up. Welcome to Higher Grounds. What can I get started for? June stops cold upon seeing Nora Frost, 32, equal parts hot and hot mess, with several suitcases in tow. Hey, JJ. It's uh, been a while, huh? Mom? End of Act One. Interior, Frost Living Room Day. Celeste fluffs pillows while June smooths the fitted sheet. Nora is singing Queen off-key in the shower. I think I figured it out. Celeste stops fluffing to look at June. What? Why Van Gogh cut off his ear? Stop it. Can you believe I aced AP Art History and Mom couldn't even cut it as a musician? (laughs) Genetics are a tricky thing. June aggressively shakes out the fitted sheet. Look, I know you're upset. I'm not. Celeste rolls her eyes. And you have every right to be. She made mistakes. Mistakes that hurt you. The only thing that hurts is that she's clearly torturing cats in there. June. June tries wrapping the sheet onto the pulled-out couch. Seriously, I'm happy for her. She chased her dreams. For some, it's becoming a doctor. For others, it's being a lawyer. Hers just happened to be abandoning her 10-year-old to sing in a shitty band and suck face with a subpar guitarist. Who am I to stand away at that bright future? Could you please talk to me? I am talking. No, you're being passive-aggressive. Better than being aggressively passive like some people. June almost gets the sheet to stay in place, but it curls back over. She rips it off altogether, crunches it into a ball, and chucks it to the floor. She flops on the mattress, and Celeste joins her, rubbing the back of her hand over her forehead. I get that this is hard, but try to give her a chance. Maybe she's back because she realized how much she misses you. Or maybe Gary's money ran out and she's desperate for cash. First of all, his name was Gus. Gus? Gus the guitarist? God, that's even worse. (laughs) Second of all, be nice. You don't have to like that she's here, but I expect you to at least be civil. Fine. I could do without the sulky teen angst act, but 
I'll take it, I guess. The doors creak open, and Celeste harshly pats June's knee as the two sit up. Nora steps out of the bathroom, dressed and all done up. Feel better? Uh, much. The water pressure here is phenomenal. I'm glad. Celeste watches June expectedly, nudging her discreetly. I like your shirt. <laughs> Nora's eyes light up, touching the fabric. Thanks. It's some of our band merch. Our drummer actually designed it. <laughs> June nods a beat. <clears throat> when he was five? <laughs> Exterior street day. Downtown Boulder. June and Pablo walk Pablo's dog, Picasso. I mean, she looked pretty good. Stop. For a mom. I can't believe you. I'm just saying. Picasso lurches forward and Pablo grips the, te- the leash tighter. Picasso, Easy. Is she coming tonight? June groans. Can you imagine four frost generations crowded around a hibachi grill? I'd rather shove wasabi in my eyes. They pause at a stop sign. It's quiet for a minute. But Celeste is making me invite her. You're still picking me up, right? I want a front row seat to this train wreck. Couldn't do it without you. Are you coming over after? Pablo crosses the street, but June hesitates. and She jogs to catch up. Uh, what if, hypothetically speaking, I maybe had other plans? Pablo falters. June doesn't have other friends. Just, like, that you're hypothetically abandoning me? Hanging me out to dry like a pair of limp linen pants? Mm-hmm. It's with Max. Our Max? Always wears a bow tie to work, Max? That's the one. Pablo looks uncomfortable and a little defeated. Oh. Is that weird? No, I just... I didn't know you were interested in him. He doesn't really seem like your type. I don't know, maybe not, but he asked, so I said yes. It's cool. Clearly, it is not. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to leave you hanging. I'll cancel if you want. Of course not. June sighs in relief, bowing at the waist. Thank you. A beat as the two begin walking again. Do you think he's a good kisser? God, you're worse than Celeste. <laughs> Picasso barks and rushes again. This time, Pablo stumbles. Interior, frost kitchen, simultaneous. Celeste dries dishes at the sink. A door slams. Nora enters, carrying a helium canister and a pack of balloons. She sits at the table and starts inflating them, and Celeste does a double take. What do you think you're doing? JJ used to love balloons. She pinches off the balloon as she ties it, and Celeste sets down her towel and leans against the counter. I meant here. Nora looks like she couldn't possibly have any idea what she's talking about. She fills another balloon. Back at home today. I thought you'd be happy to see me. Back at home today? (laughs) Nora takes off the balloon and forgets to tie it. It squeals as it deflates. Oh, I didn't realize it. Um, No, I'm I'm glad you're safe. I was never a big fan of Gus anyway. Bo? Yeah, sure, you're (laughs) Bo. No, my fiancé's name was Bo. Fiancé? I broke it off. You think Fleetwood Mac would have taught me to not bang my band members, right? <laughs> Celeste wipes her hands over her face. This is just all too much. She turns back to the dishes and Nora fills another balloon. But thank you for the room and everything. I promise I'll, I'll pull my wheat. I actually have a job interview later. Yeah? It's no Madison Square Garden, but... Celeste gives her an approving nod, but her arms remained crossed. Good. I hope it all works out. And what about June? You really ought to try to fix things with her. I know, and I want that more than anything. It won't be easy. She's stubborn, just like someone else I raised. (laughs) Nora surrenders a short laugh. I know. Interior Celeste's car day. Celeste grips the steering wheel with textbook perfection. She's clearly tense, and in the passenger seat is her mother, Nadine Frost, 64, still plucky. You don't believe in turn signals anymore? (laughs) There's no one behind me, Mom. God is always behind you. God always knows when I want to change lanes. (laughs) Nadine grabs the steering wheel and jerks, and Celeste yelps as she recovers. Seriously? What about now? 
Are you trying to kill us? Respect your elders. <laughs> Celeste pulls into a parking lot and swings into a spot. Exterior Boulder Medical Center day. Celeste and Nadine walk together. Nadine has on a gaudy powder pink pantsuit, and the ensemble is a mixture of Hillary Clinton and Queen Elizabeth. Is that what you're wearing to dinner? I wasn't planning on going naked. <laughs> Celeste grimaces, no thank you. Nadine touches the lapel of her old lady blazer. Is this not nice enough for you and your seaweed restaurant? <laughs> no. It's not? No, Mom. You, you look great. Uh, after your checkup, we'll head straight over and grab our table. How's that sound? So You're the one who's driving, Starksy. <laughs> Celeste holds the front door open for Nadine. After you. Nadine instead goes through the automatic doors a few paces down. Celeste rolls her eyes. Don't sass me. Interior waiting room day. Celeste flips through a shitty, germ-covered magazine. Nadine pretends to be disinterested, but reads over her. Why would anyone wear a ponytail to a formal event? I can't say for sure. Tasteless. I'm sure Sandra Bullock cherishes your opinion. (laughs) A nurse opens the door and leans out and scans the room. Nadine Frost? That's this one. Nadine peels herself up and disappears down a narrow hallway. Celeste eases back into her seat. She can finally breathe again. Interior, exam room, day. Nadine sits in a chair as a doctor holds up a stethoscope to her back. He's a ringer for Good Eats Alton Brown. (laughs) Deep breath for me. Nadine breathes like normal, unenthused. Good news. You still got lungs. That's a real shock. The doctor sits across from her and flips through her chart. You're in perfect shape, Nadine. I'm 64 and divorced. Shape isn't my primary concern. And you're still quick. You're sure there's nothing wrong? He flips through the papers again. Nope, it's all right. I'm sure. Because I'm 64 and divorced. If you're asking me on a date, I'm quite afraid I'm already married. He stands up and walks toward the door, urging Nadine up. But if you're lonely, talk to your neighbors. Talk to your plants. Spend more time with the gals. (laughs) Nadine reaches into a basket on her way out and grabs a sucker. Why are they sugar-free? What's the point? The doctor laughs, turning off the light behind them. Exterior higher grounds coffee shop evening. Nora stands with her back pressed to the brick building. She cradles her phone between her ear and her shoulder. I can't keep having this arg- the same argument. I'm done, Bo. She pinches the bridge of her nose. I know it's a lot of money. I'll pay you back. I'm on my way to an interview now, okay? Through the window, we see June, dressed very 70s vintage, loose, flowery top, and high-waisted light-washed jeans, hurrying down the stairs into the lobby. Interior higher grounds coffee shop continuous. A couple delivery boxes wait by the counter. June drops her phone and keys on a table and lifts one. She wobbles into the supply closet, propping the door open with a step stool. Interior closet continuous. June has her back turned toward the door. She's about to slice open the box. This is so much lighter than I thought it would be. June whips around as Nora inches into the closet, box in her arms. What are you doing? Just thought I'd give you a hand, JJ. It's June, and I've got it. I don't mind. June turns back to her box. As she's about to open it, she sees a shipping label in the corner. High Expectations Medicinal and Recreational Dispensary. Why does this keep happening? What? June points to the label. If we get another accidental weed delivery, Celeste will lose it. Nora stares at the box with her in her hands. Light bulb. I'll run it over to them. You will? Yeah. You've got fun birthday things to do. I was on my way out anyway. June turns to pick up the box and puts her scissors away. Okay, yeah. Thanks, I guess. Nora pushes the stool out of the way. The door shuts with a definitive slam. June freezes, closing her eyes, eerily calm. Are you serious? Why? What? June whips around to face Nora. You let the door close. What's the big deal? The big deal is that my phone and keys are out on the table. Okay. June grits her teeth, her hand falling into a fist. This door locks from the outside. 
What? What? How? I'm sure it's just... Nora harshly jiggles the handle, but realizes it doesn't budge. Nora's eyes widen, a realization. Locked from the outside. Oops. (laughs) Nora laughs nervously, and June shoots her a seething glare. Interior sushi restaurant night. The restaurant is small, cozy. The hostess waits behind a podium, and Celeste approaches. Nadine follows with a few strides behind, taking it slow. Hi, we have a reservation for Frost. And is there any way we can get an extra chair? Why? Let me check. Perfect, thank you. The hostess drifts back into the restaurant. Is June bringing a boy? You know she's too young for that. It's only Pablo. I don't trust him. You've met him once. (laughs) The hostess returns with a big smile. We're adding a chair now. Thank you so much. We won't be needing it. (laughs) The hostess hesitates, uneasily glancing between them. Of course we will. Celeste tugs Nadine away from the podium. Nora's home. Interior, closet, as before. Why would you move the stool? I'm sorry, JJ, I didn't know. It's June, and why else would it be there to keep the door company? (laughs) There's really not another way out? A window or another door? Nora surveys the space, searching for a way out. She picks through their things as she goes. Whipped cream containers, enough caramel syrup to kill a person. Chipped coffee mugs. Oh, sure, I forgot about the secret passageway behind the tea that leads to Narnia. (laughs) Okay, there's no need to be sarcastic. Well, if you ask a stupid question, you're going to get a stupid answer. (laughs) Place coffee cup under spigot. <laughs> Nora squeals and drops the mug in her hand and it shatters. What the hell was that? June rolls her eyes and she grabs a broom and dustpan to sweep up the mess. It's just Edna. Who the hell is Edna? Our possessed espresso machine. Possessed? <laughs> Celeste ordered it from Japan a couple months ago and can't figure out how to change settings. It costs too much to ship it back, so we hide it in here. What? I don't... Who cares? It doesn't matter. What matters is that you're screwing everything up. Nora's face drops. Hearing her say it stings. I know, and I'm, I'm sorry... Interior sushi restaurant night. A table by the windows. Celeste leans her elbows on the table, all business. Nadine rests her hands in her lap. You really don't feel the least bit sorry for her. No. How could you not? She's your granddaughter. She's tone deaf, not decrepit. (laughs) You're babying her. It's not like that. She just lost her job. Cut her some slack. I'm only letting her stay until she can get back on her feet. That's what you do for people when they get out of prison, not drop out of some silly band. Mom. Nadine raises her hands, innocent. She's trouble. She's always been trouble. I don't need this from you, too, okay? June's already worn me out about it. Somebody has to be the adult here. (laughs) Celeste takes a deep breath. She needs a different approach. I'm not giving up on her. Just like you've never given up on me. Nadine looks at her suspiciously. Convinced Celeste is sincere. She nods. This she gets. But the moment wears off. Then again, your role model wasn't the guy singing the Oscar Mayer jingle. (laughs) Nadine takes a drink. Petty bitch. Celeste sighs, checking her phone. 6.13. June is late. She shoots her a text. Where are you? Interior closet night. June vigorously paces while Nora stands by the doorway. Why did you even come back? To ruin my birthday? Of course not. My life? Again? Was that just an added bonus for you? Too far. That's not fair, JJ. I go by June now, which you would know if you had been here. And you seriously want to talk about fair? What's not fair is you waltzing back here. What's not fair is everyone expecting me to forgive you. No, you're right, and I get that. Nora's face softens, but June is picking up more steam. No, you don't. You don't get it. You don't know that I slept in Celeste's bed for months after you left because I was terrified she was going to leave me too. Or that I woke up in the middle of the night crying because I had nightmares about you walking away. That sometimes... I still can't sleep because I'm trying to figure out what horrible thing I did to make you go. I never meant to. And then you show up expecting me to pick up where we left off. Like, I should just forget any of that ever happened. Like, I should just 
Let it go. Place cup under coffee spigot. <laughs> Jude becomes hysterical and kicks the machine. Shut up, British coffee maker! <laughs> Interior Higher Grounds Coffee Shop continuous. On the counter outside the door, June's phone buzzes. Celeste's photo pops up on the screen and it goes to voicemail. Then the screen fades to black. Dead. Interior Sushi Restaurant Night. Celeste's phone is pressed to her ear. Hi, this is June. Obviously, I can't come to the phone right now, so leave a message. Or, you know, don't. Whatever. <laughs> Celeste sighs, pressing end, and tossing the phone on the table. It's 6.33, and June is now over a half an hour late. Did she answer this time? <laughs> Did you hear me talking to her? <laughs> Nadine clicks her tongue disapprovingly. Don't start. Nadine starts to reply, but the moment is interrupted by an impatient server approaching their table. Will the rest of your party be arriving soon? <laughs> Any minute. Our policy states that your entire party must be present within ten minutes of seating. Or we'll else. have to wait a bit longer. The server grits his teeth. He can't yell at an old lady. How would that look? You need to at least order some something. Celeste is done. She orders the first thing she sees. Edamame. Uh, we'll take the edamame. The server sighs in relief. Excellent choice. It'll be right out. Nadine wastes no time getting back to where they left off. You need to make sure you set boundaries with her. Mom. Especially with Nora home. Wouldn't want history repeating itself. Mom, please. I'm sure she's fine. I'm sure everything is fine. Celeste peeks at the time and checks her messages again before taking a big swig of her wine. She clearly doesn't believe her own words. Interior closet, as before. June clutches her head in her hands. I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm seriously stuck in this godforsaken closet with you and a possessed (laughs) British espresso machine. I can't believe it's my birthday and I'm trapped and... Hyperventilating? uh, And She wants to keep ranting, but the reality of her situation has finally hit her. There's no way out. Oh my god, I'm trapped. (laughs) June slides down the wall, sinking to the floor. She presses the heel of her hands to her eyes and Nora freezes. Why is this room getting smaller? She... Sorry, June. It's okay. Oh my god, I can't breathe. June's breath quickens, and Nora springs into action. She rushes to kneel beside her daughter. Are you alright? No, I'm not. This is some Edgar Allan Poe pit in the pendulum bullshit. (laughs) June is too panicked to be embarrassed about her tears. It's gonna be okay. I promise. I'm right here. I got you. Nora hesitates only a second before pulling June to lean against her. She thumbs her tears away before gently rubbing her forehead with the back of her hand. That she remembers this quirk is enough to stun. Even calm June. Thanks. Of course. You remember the forehead thing? I was in California, not a coma. There are some things you can never forget. Childbirth. When you were a baby and spit up on me during a nine-hour flight. And that rubbing your forehead was the only way to calm you down. June smiles, and the two sit there for a few moments. Content. Emotional. Vulnerable. Can I tell you something? Anything. There's sure, this. Pablo. I always pick you up. <laughs> Funny joke. <laughs> June jumps up out of Nora's grasp, furiously swiping her eyes for at least any signs of tears. The mask is back on, and she bangs on the closet door. Pablo! Pablo in here! June? June, what are you doing in... The closet door flies open to reveal Pablo. His face gets serious upon finding her in a disheveled state. Whoa, are you okay? Fine. Come on, we're gonna be late. June grabs Pablo's sleeve, urging him out. Wait, what were you saying? Huh? Oh, wasn't important. I don't even remember. <laughs> don't you have somewhere to be? Oh, Panic, she checks her watch. June tugs on Pablo's jacket again, leading the way. See you, Nor- uh, June's ma- uh, Miss Fra... Nora, you can just call me Nora. Peace, Nora. <laughs> <laughs> June drags Pablo outside, leaving Nora alone. This moment is over, seemingly forgotten. What happened? Nothing. Just nothing. End of Act Two. Interior sushi restaurant night. June and Pablo stand in the doorway, hunched together. Remember what I said. Don't look Nadine in the eye. And? Don't bring up your date with Max. And? 
Um, and order an entree so that I can have your miso soup. Got it. Hmm. June sticks her hand in between them, and Pablo puts his top. Pablo puts his on top of hers, soccer team style. Okay, break. They lift their hands in unison when they approach the table. Celeste and Nadine look up. Where on earth have you been? Stuck in the closet. What? Nothing good ever happens in a closet. No, ew, it wasn't like that. Pablo wasn't even there. It was just me and Edna and... Oh, no, you're talking about that closet. The one that's code for homosexual. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't like that either. Nora was helping me with boxes, and we got locked in the supply closet. Pablo slides into a seat, browsing a menu. June chooses the one between him and Celeste, clearly still a bit shaken. Celeste strokes her hair. You okay? June nods, giving her a small smile. Interior office, night. Nora sits across from the white, b- white bread gentleman, Greg. They're laughing like friends. N- no. Dead serious. Outside CBGB. I swear. Then we went to see a Ramones cover band. Very romantic. <laughs> they buckle again into laughter, and Nora spots a clock on the back wall. It's getting late. I really hate to cut this short, but I kind of have to bolt. So, about the job? Oh. No, I, I can't offer it to you. Immediately Wait. sobering. Seriously? Why not? It's great to see you again, Nora, but you're not reliable. But drink sometime? You saw my number, right? He scribbles his number on a post-it anyway. He gathers his things and smiles sadly, squeezing Nora's shoulder as he leaves. I didn't give you a blowjob after prom for this, Greg. (laughs) Exterior sushi restaurant night. Nora hovers by the door. She wipes her nose with her sleeve, trying to pull herself together. The door opens. A mother and her crying toddler step out. It's not fair! We can't stay here forever, baby. We'll come back, okay? Nora steps out of their way, peers inside the window. She watches the rest of the family interact, hesitating. Interior sushi restaurant continuous. June leans her elbow on the table and her chin in her hand. She makes eye contact with Nora, who's frozen outside. June gives her a tiny, reassuring grin, jerking her head back in invitation. Exterior sushi restaurant continuous. Nora visibly relaxes, her mouth forming a thankful smile. Interior sushi restaurant continuous. Nora slips into the seat at the end of the table. Sorry, I'm so late. About six years. <laughs> Uncomfortable silence. Nora notices a glass of wine in front of her. Hallelujah. She takes a drink. June looks around, making sure the coast is clear. And she sneaks a sip from Celeste's wine glass. Of course, Celeste has an uncanny sense for this stuff, noticing immediately. Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? You can't actually expect me to get through this dinner 100% sober. And yet, here I am, expecting it. (laughs) Celeste grabs the glass, putting it on the other side of her. A beat, June looks around again, preparing to reach for Nora's. Celeste facing the opposite direction. Don't even think about it. (laughs) June huffs, defeated, and places both hands on her lap. Celeste reaches over, puts her hand on top, and squeezes. They're still in this together. How'd it go, Nora? Huh? The interview? Oh, um... Nora takes another drink, prolonging the news. Not so great. Shoot. You can't get discouraged, though. It was only the first one. Nora shrugs, swirling her wine around, debating. Well, I, uh... I was actually thinking maybe I could pick up a few shifts at the cafe. What? June glares. Nora gets defensive. It wouldn't be long just until I can find something more permanent, you know? Until I get my groove back. All eyes are on Celeste. She's caught off guard. She's about to say something when... We have enough employees. Sorry. June. She shoots June a warning look. June reacts innocently. What? We do. Celeste turns back to an anxious Nora. Of course you can. Nora smiles, relieved, and June scoffs. She rips her hand away from Celeste and crosses her arms. Unbelievable. Celeste's gaze is now sharper, more admonishing. Enough. Well, it's not fair for you to hire her just like that. 
If you need it, I can get you a resume. I can I can write a cover letter or. So let's hold your hand out to silence her. Nonsense. Look, I'm sorry, but it's not up to you. Someday, when you own your own business, you can decide who you hire. But until then, when Max's brother wanted a job, you said we were fully staffed. The mention of Max's name tips Pablo over the edge. Why do you suddenly care about him so much? June snaps. He was supposed to be on her side. It's not about him. It's about how unfair this is. And why do you suddenly care about my relationship with Max so much? I don't. Are you jealous? Are you so insecure that you can't even... Celeste throws her hands up. This has gotten out of hand. Please! We can talk about this later. Right now, can we all just try and have a good time? June and Pablo lock eyes. A cold stare. Fine. Fine. Thank you. Tense silence. Celeste smooths a napkin on her lap. June rips her straw wrapper. So, my doctor told me something interesting today. (laughs) Is this another story about your back crash? Because I think I speak for everyone at this table and on this planet when I say nobody wants to hear it. (laughs) It's not, although he still says he's never seen eczema quite like that before. I mean... Oh, my God. (laughs) Pablo snaps his mouth shut, placing the edamame he was about to eat back in the bowl. (laughs) Celeste rubs her temples. Mom, the news, please. Yes. Well, I'm getting old. He says I'm not in the best shape anymore, that I'm not getting out enough. Celeste frowns, reaching across the table to squeeze Nadine's hand. You're always welcome to come over, Mom. You know that. Yeah, you can totally hang. And really, that old house is too big now. It reminds me too much of Arthur. (laughs) I think it's best for me to move in. Everyone is stunned, except for Nadine, who is practically swooning. Move in where? With who? With the two... Well, I guess three now. She eyes Nora disapprovingly, suspiciously. Of you. Celeste and June share a shocked look, their mouths hanging open. They both go to say something, but are cut off by a crew of waiters walking over, cake in hand, cheerfully singing happy birthday. June tries to fake a smile through this ordeal, but she can't completely shake her horrified expression. Pan out on the table as the song continues. End of show. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I really like this pilot. Yes, yeah. it's, it's really fun. I think my favorite thing is, for those watching live, you can see that right now there are six women in studio and two men in studio, which just does not happen. Suck not it. Happen yeah. yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Um, did you guys know that you wanted to write a female-centric kind of pilot when you got together? Absolutely. Yeah, we've when we kind of started brainstorming ideas, I think I had the original, like, general, very broad mm-hmm. idea of the four generations that I'd had in my head for, like, a long time. Like, it kind of had started as a novel, but mm-hmm. we thought this was kind of the perfect sort of definitely stage for it. Why don't you guys decide to go um, TV route rather than something with prose? I mean, TV is way more fun. <laughs> fun. We took a screenwriting class together the semester before we wrote this, and we kind of just really fell in love with it mm-hmm. there. And we had like um, pitched each other other ideas before, and kind of collaborated before, but not actually written and worked together. And I don't know. We just we had the contest pitched us, and it just seemed like a perfect fit mm-hmm. for being such young writers especially for having I guess only just taken that class it's very sharp it's a very well structured very sharply written script with very clearly defined characters like really I think the pilot beautifully does the job of what a pilot should do like whether or not this is a show for someone who would watch this kind of stuff you can't argue that the pilot's achieving exactly what it needs to achieve how did that I mean, like, I just think it's rare to get such a sharply written pilot for two young writers, especially who haven't had much experience in TV writing specifically. We did have a professor um, go through and help us workshop it after we wrote the first draft. And, like, originally, 
Nora ran off to the circus. <laughs> and she was like, we can't have this yeah, ever happen. Like, um, shout out to Lisa, though. She was great. She helped yeah, she us helped a lot. A lot. Um, Why did she run to the circus? Um, yeah. it's, <laughs> yeah, this is, we were like, we need to make her stakes had to be higher or something. Right. Okay. We were like, oh, it'd just be weird enough to work. And she was like, but it's not. It doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> Most of my first ideas got cut. Yeah. They, we they had, were circus Instead ideas. of a closet, they were stuck in a porta potty. Okay. We were like, that well, also can't happen. Yeah. And it's hard to shoot, probably, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. And why are they in there together? Yeah. Right. All very valid questions. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, obviously, it's come really far away. Like, I, I really think it's a really sweet, kind of cozy, but also dramatic pilot. Um, I'm sure Amy Sherman Palladino is a bit of an influence for the way you guys write. Would you say that's... Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. She's all-time fave, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Just she's... the comparison is really making me good. like, what She's one of the best, absolutely. Um, I think she does a great job, as do you guys, of balancing comedy and drama. Um, how did you sort of approach that? As writers. I'm the comedy, she's the drama. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> there you go. We have a good, like, split. Like, we we just work together really well, mm-hmm. because the characters that I struggle to write, she is really great at, and vice, and vice versa. versa. Can I guess? Sure. Yeah. Are you Nadine, kind of Pablo? <laughs> You're more like June, Nora, a little bit Celeste? She's better at Nora. I'm good at Celeste and June, and Definitely, she's good at yeah. Nadine and okay. Nora. And we're both, we both like to add some Pablo of course here and there <laughs> Pablo's awesome speaking yeah. of Pablo is he gay BFF or is and he just is jealous of the time or is he in love with her as well so we've kind of been toying back and forth with the idea we think that we're gonna make him like bisexual because mm. it's not <laughs> great yeah because that's like something that's not represented a lot yeah. at all it's, and so it'd be great to even add the like maybe he also has a crush on June as well as Megan just yeah. like yeah. let's just make it messier yeah. Yeah. why not that's really funny that you said that because that's exactly what I got from this group. Good. So congratulations! Yeah. And I just it just reminded me of I don't know if you guys watched The Mist on like Sci-Fi. I think it is by Stephen King. Spike, thank you. But there's a character like that where you think he's gay the entire time, and then all of a sudden it comes out that he has a crush on his gay best or his girl best friend. And yeah. he's no, he's bisexual. I think that it's just another element of dimension. I love that you guys are would, would tackle that. Yeah. yeah, it's really sharp because you don't know exactly if Pablo's jealous of June's time. Or jealous that Max likes June yeah, because maybe he's like perfectly Max. done. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could be that he has a crush on Max potentially yeah. too. So it's you guys did a great job of leaving that question unanswered. Um, connected to that, it's really important in a pilot to leave some doors open, but also close some doors too. Because you have to write a complete episode of television, but leave doors open. Is that something you guys kind of talked through before you dove into the script? Yeah, we knew that we wanted to have individual like episodic episodes Mm -hmm. but of course like the prolonged tension of these four women living together like had to permeate all Mm -hmm. of it and i think that the ending of this episode was something that we worked really hard on to time right Mm -hmm. it's actually something so taylor and i hosted a show on wednesday for the new hbo pilot here and now Mm -hmm. have you guys watched that yet One thing we talked about was we felt like the show didn't have the intimacy we wanted for a family comedy, and we thought one of the great ways that they could have done that was to have a dinner, you know, to have just the family there. The episode ends with the party, but there's other people there, so you don't get the true dynamics of how these characters are. You gotta force them on top of each other, right? And that's what Gilmore Girls always had their, like, weekly dinner, so, like, make everyone be together. (laughs) Um, So... Basically, your guys' show is better than this new Alan Ball show. Wow. <laughs> um, but did you guys know you always wanted to end with that scene? I think we originally had it earlier. Did we not? 
like end of act two or something yeah um and we ended up moving it i think because just the visual of them walking in yeah. with the cake and everyone's awkward mm-hmm. yes yeah yeah one thing i want to commend you guys on is um act your action because i think this is one of those shows and i mean this is a compliment where it's really just people talking right and that's the best like that's how gilmore girls is and when the characters are strong enough that's all you need but you have in the action they're blowing up balloons and one deflates or they're trying to make the bed and the thing crumples up or they're Mm -hmm. stuck in the closet and edna's there like did you guys did you guys deliberately sort of write that action i just think that's sometimes much more challenging than other writers give credit to yeah, I think that's definitely something. Always just trying to hit the beats, mm-hmm. I think. Like, even, you know, action can make it, it put it over the edge and make it more dramatic or, like, hit it funnier and, like, make it surprising. So I think we definitely, it was all about the beats and mm-hmm. the timing of it. Mm-hmm. And so that action really helped with that. And we, something we definitely strive to do is make the action really short. Mm-hmm. We don't, like, super yeah, I love long that. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yes. Yeah. Um, screenwriting class, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we learned so much in there for Clearly real. you had a good so, teacher. I yeah, mean, like, because you're, Achieving all the things that it takes writers a long time to learn, I think. This also is a script full of so much action. Like, you don't need to put, you know, I like when you said um, it's cozy, the restaurant's cozy and quaint or something. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't need to know what color the chairs are (laughs) and what the exact volume is and who's sitting at the first table on the left. Like, Mm -hmm. and I just got it. I was like, oh, it's a mom-and-pop kind of place. Right. Great. I think something that I have to commend you guys on is the the amazing dialogue between the actors. And I don't know if you guys have actor friends or if Lisa, your teacher, helped you with the dialogue between the actors. Or if you're actors um, yourself. Or your actors yourself. <laughs> Thank you, Roxy. Um, there are other actors out there, too. No, <laughs> I'm the only I'm one you guys. So true. Um, so true. But I just love the sharp dialogue between the yeah. actors. And, and, you know, doing this show, we've come across writers who, I mean... Every script that has been wonderful, but there there has been some, you know, struggle between, you know, um, actors just communicating with each other through the dialogue. Um, we have the ad lib or something like that. It really wasn't necessary in this script. The, mm-hmm. the dialogue between the actors is really sharp. Mm-hmm. Thank Agreed. you. And it was, I, I think the sharpness helped lend itself to the pacing mm-hmm. for a good comedy. Yeah. I mean, it was easy to keep on pace um, and keep it comedic. Yeah. Do you guys have great. older friends? Um, so... I mean, we do. What we kind of did, the process for this was we have had it table read, not by, like, you guys were phenomenal. Like, you guys <laughs> Amazing. were so good. We just basically forced our friends to come to this classroom <laughs> and read it out loud so we could kind of see where the lines weren't as smooth yeah. or, like, mm-hmm. the interaction was kind of awkward. So that helped a lot. Yeah. And, like, thanks to all the people that did the first one because <laughs> really, like, we can tell there's a big difference between the drafts. Yeah. That helped tighten the script a lot after we did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can hear the different... Uh, just generations between the four women, mm-hmm. which is nice because sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like when people are writing, they don't necessarily know like what each individual voice of their characters are, and so to to tell the difference between like June's obviously sixteen, Nora's obviously thirty two, Nadine's the, you know the oldest, and Celeste is like kind of right in the middle there. So it was nice to kind of be able to oh I can tell like these are all different women at different points in their life. Thank mm-hmm. you. I actually wanted to ask about that because they say the sign of a great script is when you can pull an individual line of dialogue out and attribute it to a character. <laughs> so did you guys have to work hard to distinguish because it's not easy to have four related women all from the same family all have a distinct voice. I think one of the things that helps is that we gave each of them very specific like phrases Mm -hmm. when Nadine says Starsky 
<laughs> I fought for that because it dates her a little better. Yeah, yeah. And Taylor was like, I don't know. I don't know who that is. I don't get that. What about uh, the choice to have none of them, except kind of for June, have a man in their life? That's something that we're going to touch on because we've like mapped out. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. so Good. extra. We've mapped things out because we just love the show yeah, so yeah. much. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that we're playing with and toying with. Um, but it was just important to us to focus on the women, at least mm-hmm. in the first episode, because that's always going to be the heart of the show. Yeah. You know, if no matter what we keep writing, that's always what we're going to come back to. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't want to kind of waste space, I guess. Yeah. On, yeah. That's on not the point. Else. Yeah. We wanted in, this to be the heart. In regards to mapping, like, how far... Because I know when I write, I, I do occasionally write TV shows, and I always make sure that I know exactly how I want the TV show to end. So that way, like... The entire thing. The mean. entire thing. <laughs> yeah. So I can kind of know, like, where I'm going, and I know some people don't do that, and I was just curious, like, have you guys mapped out that far? Are you just like, we got to season one? <laughs> no. We've written most of the second episode, just okay. because we... Because, okay, so our process was we'd go to this coffee shop, like, once a week. Higher grounds. Hi- <laughs> <laughs> it's called Honeymoon in nice. Evansville. And Fun. It's very good. But we'd like, you know, it's an, it was a nice break from, like, homework and writing, mm-hmm. like, literature papers. We're yeah. like, let's write this. It's just kind of our, like, sort of escape in a way. Um, and so we've written most of the second episode, and we've mapped out, like, the rest of, like, the first, the first season. season. Cool. But we, I don't, I have no idea how it would end as a whole. They all die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they all die. <laughs> um, I have a question about the men of their lives really quick, because having a show about four generational women is just brilliant. I think that this is such a unique um, story. But I feel like if... So if Nadine is um, Caucasian, are you thinking that everybody down the line has to be Caucasian? Mm. Or would the men in their life be of a different race, mm. therefore lending itself I to... I had the same thought. I, I thought, yeah. Because, yeah, because like, June, June like, for you, sure like, could in be. In this role, like, I feel like... Or even, oh, yeah, yeah or like even a like, biracial June. Yeah. Like, a wrinkle in time, you see that. Right, but, yeah. But a, Have a you guys ever thought about that spin on it? I mean, I personally Definitely. have, because I... I think it's important for both of us to get that representation. We want mm-hmm. to, it to represent like real world things. Mm-hmm. And we have some, you know, people of different sexualities and different mm-hmm. races like coming in the next episodes. Like mm-hmm. we plan that out, and so I think that would be an awesome idea. And I'm super open and like would be mm-hmm. so excited yeah. to touch on that. But I mean, we're thinking so far in advance. But yeah, like our course. writers' room would have to reflect that obviously mm-hmm. because yeah. you don't want to you know, speak for someone that you shouldn't be speaking of for. Course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you guys need a straight white male in the room. <laughs> I, Those know. are like, yeah, there's are so uncommon. I know. And I Hard know. to yeah. find. But people need a platform, so. I have <laughs> rubbed <laughs> off on you so much. <laughs> the feistiness <laughs> is real. You really have. Um, I love the pilot, you guys. I would love to read the second one if you want to send it my way. It's just, it it's a, such a cozy show, but it is real. I found myself getting a little emotional during this first episode, so this I really want to commend yeah. you guys. Um, and I'm just, yeah, I, I feel like this sounds kind of setting, but I'm just like, because you've worked with me, I'm very proud of you, Taylor. Thank <laughs> you so much. No, that means a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really have I high hopes for this pilot. And yeah. I, higher, uh, higher ground hopes? Higher ground <laughs> hopes. Yeah, it's really, really good. And Rachel, you as I know, I don't know you, but it's... <laughs> you do I now. I appreciate it all the I know. same. <laughs> yeah, I know you now. It's really, really good. Do you guys have any other questions about the show? Um, Andrew usually always asks this question, so I'm That's somebody who's on this panel that didn't yeah. hear it. Yeah. Um, having read it, Having hear it read out loud the second time, is there anything that you guys really enjoyed? Is there anything that you still want to change? I just, it was so amazing. I had like goosebumps just to hear words that we spent so much time on come to life. 
And you guys added so much depth to mm-hmm. it that I, you know, I didn't even originally see on paper and brought these aspects of the personality that I loved so much and that I'm going to start incorporating. So, like, thank you so much. <laughs> I didn't want to just hire all of you, but, like, I Great. guess that probably wouldn't work. <laughs> Done. But, oh, it was amazing. Really thank put you. a lot of, like, wrinkles on yeah. it. Uh, you were work great. It out. Yeah. You were amazing. <laughs> This yeah, is something you could maybe shoot, though. You oh, know? totally. Yeah, or at least totally. the dinner scene. I think like that scene, to dinner your credit, restaurant. captures the personality of your character so much. And uh, again, a show like this, all you need is the characters. You know, they could go travel somewhere, and the show is still there because you guys have done such a good job of setting up the foundation of the show. So I don't know. You might want to consider shooting it. Like that's how Damien Chazelle got Whiplash Greenlit. Was he just shot one scene and different with the film? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. But, but yes, yeah. he shot shorts for that and La La Land, so mm-hmm. he yeah. You never know. Possible. Yeah. Well, um have you guys talked about where you might see this living? Um I could see it on like a free form mm-hmm. type yeah. network, mm-hmm. CW ish. Yeah. I mean we, the funny thing is we submitted it to HBO. Of all places, this was <laughs> not, not sure built for that. Fit, but <laughs> quite. It's a little you, too sweet. <laughs> you, did, yeah. you did throw uh, some curse words in there. How did you balance? Because if you're looking for a free form, was that like, we're willing to cut these, but we want you to get the sentiment? Yeah, yeah essentially. <laughs> yeah. So free form is different now. Like yeah, with that Alone that Together and... show and even the Fosters. Totally, but not different enough that you can say shit. <laughs> <laughs> you can you say can shit say on free form now. now. Yeah. yeah, it's looking very you can different. Say, you can say shit on Comedy Central now. They're slowly like. Uh, not on free form. Well, their new but... show Alone Together really is breaking the rules. Well, yeah, and then Gronish is also kind yeah, of Gronish. pushing it a lot. The, a lot of the topics that come up in Gronish are a lot different. There's an N word in that show, teen drinking. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. Teen drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, what they do is on Gronish. They actually curse and they just bleep it out. So yeah. You, like there was one where she just said a bunch of curse words, and you can kind of figure out what she's saying. And they just mm-hmm. beep 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 beep. Huh. So I think that was part yeah. of the plan with the network to change the name was they wanted to slowly roll out this new brand, and mm-hmm. it is it has been a slow rollout. But I that was what I thought too is maybe free form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm really excited for you guys. I'm really excited yeah, to see what you. you do. Any other questions for us or anything else before we make our way out? Not questions, just thank, thank you again. You so thank much. you guys. Love this. Yeah, Very really fun. good luck. I would love to see this thing get made. Thank you. That being said, if people want to get me in touch too. with you, what's the best way? Um, you guys can find me on Twitter at uh, alphabet underscore Anne and on Instagram at Taylor underscore Gates underscore. Um, do you usually like throw email addresses? You might want some. Some of our writers do. I okay. think I did. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you guys can find me. It's tg114 at evansville.edu. And I'm rm206 at evansville.edu. So young. You saw this. <laughs> I know. Yes. I know it. <laughs> yep, your whole life's ahead of you. Um, well, thanks again, guys. And I can't wait to see where this thing <laughs> goes. You. Ladies and gentlemen, Thank this has been the Unproduced Table Read. I feel like I was in a weird mood the today. The punchiest <laughs> Jeff Graham you've ever seen. Know, right? <laughs> I'm sitting over here. I'm like, this little I don't have my actors to tame me today. <laughs> um, that being said, guys, my name's Jeff. If you want to find me online, you can do so at Jeffrey C. Graham. Um, we are reading a feature next week um, about the AIDS crisis in the 80s. It's really, really good. I'm excited to read that. And we have some other fun female stuff booked down the road. That was my one of my goals for this year was to try to give you guys really, really good work to do. So um, you can find me online if you want at Twitter at Jeffrey C. Graham. Feel free to pitch me a script there. And we're here every Friday in the morning. So we'll see you next week. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I am Timothy Michael. Once again, you can find me everywhere at I am Timothy Mike. I'm Roxy Stryer. You can find me everywhere at Roxy Stryer. I'm Alexandra Miles. Alexandra.smiles. I'm Adrian Snow. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Adrian Snow. And I am Haley O'Connor. That is Haley with two Y's. If you don't <laughs> use two Y's, you're not two Y's. That is Haley O'Connor on Twitter and Haley Wood on Instagram. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week, wherever the camera is. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
Bienvenidos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Spitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.